Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about the relationship with sleep, with anxiety and OCD. And there is this dysfunctional relationship between sleep and anxiety and OCD in general, not for everyone, but more often than not, it does impact sleep for so many different reasons. And so today I want to talk about the relationship between sleep, anxiety, and OCD, you know, how to help with that, what causes that, and how to get started. But before I start with that, I want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I will leave a link in the show notes. Another announcement is that I am doing my self-care series for parents raising kids with anxiety or OCD. It is free. If you've joined my series before, I do two of them twice a year. And so I do my self-care series twice a year. I have a lot of people who take it every single time because they tell me that it helps them refocus, recharge, and recenter so that they are 100% for their kids with anxiety or OCD. The ironic thing is when we focus on ourselves for a little while, our kids actually wind up doing much, much better. Because in my self-care series, I don't talk about eating chocolate and taking deep breaths and having bubble baths, although those things are really, really, really good too. I talk about mindset. I talk about your external support. I talk about your relationships with family and partners and the things that get you down and the things that charge you up and how you show up for your child's issues and how you take care of yourself as well. So it's very all-encompassing. If you are interested and you want to join, it is starting this week. Um, Let me look at my calendar just to see where we are because I batch these now. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm recording this in the past. You're in the future, but it is starting on the second. So in just in a couple of days when this podcast comes out. So it starts on February 2nd and it ends on February 10th. You can join at any time throughout that week or that seven day period because I make sure that everything is on replay and demand while the series is going so that you don't miss anything due to work or school or dealing with your kids because I 100% get it. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. That is atparentingsurvivalseries.com. Register, you'll get an email. Um, Check your spam if you don't see it with the links to join the temporary Facebook group that I always create in order for us to really dive deep on this. And I look forward to seeing you over there. It's always a really good free resource. Okay. Moving from there, let's talk about this relationship with sleep and anxiety. Members of my AT parenting community, my membership community helped me come up with some topics. I was like, what do you want me to talk about in the podcast? What YouTube videos do you want me to make? This benefit of the AT parenting community. And A lot of parents, one parent said, I would like to know the relationship between sleep and anxiety and OCD. And a lot of people liked that. And so I thought that's a great topic. I've talked about sleep before, 
but it's always good to circle back and every discussion offers new things. And so I thought it was worth covering as well. I know my kids have really struggled with sleep for different reasons. And I'll use them as a snapshot because it it really encompasses how how sleep is impacted on different levels for for each one of our kids. And so my oldest daughter, who's in college now, had a lot of anxiety around safety, even though she would deny this, uh, but she would lock her bedroom door. So there was clearly some concern about her safety at night. And so that was an issue with her. With my son, who's 13, uh, he used to have a lot of intrusive thoughts, a lot of intrusive OCD thoughts, and a lot of fear of safety. And now I think a lot of times it's just his brain won't shut off. And so there's that. And my youngest, who's 11, used to have a lot. A lot of my kids had like just fears of safety at night. And hers has moved into, and then she had sensory motor OCD where she felt like she had to pee all the time. And so that would really impact her sleep because a lot of kids, we're going to get into this in a deeper level in a second, but a lot of times they want to make their sleep environment perfect. You know, I want to make sure that nothing's going to bother me. So I make sure my bladder is completely empty. If you have sensory motor OCD and you're always worried about your bladder, it will nag you to the point where you have to keep getting up and going to the bathrooms. That was an issue for her. And now it's kind of like nightmares and she has a metaphobia. And so a lot of times the fear of getting sick at night, or she might feel a little off because she has celiac and then her brain takes over. So that's a little snapshot of what's going on in my house. A lot of things impact my kids' sleep. But let's just talk first about the lack of sleep and and what that can do to anxiety or OCD in and of itself. So sleep hygiene, which I know that's a really weird expression, but that's kind of what we call it, is the habits around sleep. And we really want to develop healthy habits for our kids around sleep because if they don't get good enough sleep. And this really goes for any person, any human being, but especially when you have anxiety or OCD, it increases irritability. And this is not rocket science. These are pretty obvious things, right? Kids are going to be more irritable when they didn't get a good amount of sleep. It can increase their anxiety or OCD. And so it doesn't cause anxiety or OCD, but if I'm sleep deprived, it's easier for those thoughts to come in and it's harder for me to ignore them. And so like my weakness, my barrier is gone down. And so you can be more bombarded with anxious thoughts because kind of your nervous system is a little afraid as well. I know I am like that. When I didn't get enough sleep, I feel really, I feel afraid. Does that make sense? So it can increase compulsive behavior with OCD. And so if your child's been doing really well and then they're having a lot of sleep issues, they can wind up doing more compulsions because they're tired, they're irritable. They can't just ignore those things. They don't have a lot of fight in them. And then the sleep struggle, it can turn into a vicious cycle in and of itself where kids have a hard time sleeping and then they are nervous that they're never going to fall asleep. And then they're nervous that they're going to have all the things I just listed. They're going to be irritable. They're not going to do well. And so then they worry about that. Then they can't sleep and they're hyper-focused on sleep. And the more you focus on sleep, the more you can't sleep. And so it becomes this vicious cycle that becomes a beast of its own based on, I'm afraid I won't fall asleep. Interestingly, I also want to note that um, some research has come out to show that there's been some impact in the circadian secretions of melatonin reported in OCD. And I thought I had heard that about anxiety as well. And so it's not surprising that a lot of kids are struggling, maybe on just a very physiological level, that they are having a decrease in melatonin naturally. And so 
that becomes another issue because if their circadian rhythm is not functioning properly or they're not getting enough melatonin secreted, that's going to impact their sleep, obviously, because our kids need that in order to go to bed. And so that's why so many kids with anxiety or OCD are on melatonin and find it really effective because there might be uh, a need physiologically for that. So I just want to mention that as well, because I think that's really interesting. So when our kids are struggling to sleep, it can be for a whole bunch of reasons. And I'm going to talk about what those are just because I think a lot of times what happens when parents want to work on sleep, first of all, we're exhausted and our irritability, inability to function, inability to be patient all gets ramped up as well. Because if our kids aren't sleeping, most of the time we're not sleeping either. Because if you have kids, younger kids, or even just kids that, even teenagers actually, just depends, they're involving you in their lack of sleep often. I mean, even my 11 and 13 year old, they're involving me with their lack of sleep. Now I tell them not to, (laughs) because if you just wake up and you can't go back to bed, we're going to come up with a game plan, but it doesn't involve waking me up. Because if I'm not at my best, I can't support them, right? And so let's talk about some of the things that cause it because as parents, our knee-jerk reaction is just to fix the sleep. How do I get you to sleep? Maybe I'm punitive and I'll punish you if you get out of bed, or maybe I'll incentivize you and I'll reward you for not getting out of bed or for sleeping. We can take a very behavioral approach to sleep, you know, a reward and punishment depending on your parental, you know, approach and philosophy. Typical parenting. However, it's, and I say this a lot about a lot of different things, but it's like a bandaid on a bullet hole, or it's like treating a fever without knowing the, the illness underneath it's, it's surface level. And when we're dealing with anxiety or OCD, it's, and even I would have to say typical parenting, but that's not what this episode is about. I want to know what's driving the lack of sleep. What is making you get out of your bed over and over, or what is keeping you up in your bed all night long, or what is causing the issue that you are unable to sleep, the behavior, the symptom of coming out of your bed or needing me to sleep with you or all of those things are symptoms, but they're not the origin. And I'm always about going to the root cause of things. And more often than not, there is a root cause, even if it's just physiological, I don't want to leave any stone unturned. And so let's talk about some of those reasons. And And I'll give you some of those and I'll talk about how to find those with your kids. I often ask my kids, what's the hardest part about going to bed? If your kids aren't telling you, a lot of times they're going to tell you. So let's go over some common ones. There are so many. (laughs) So I'm just going to go over the big ones. I'm going to go over them quickly because I do have an entire course on how to help kids who struggle to sleep. And we'll talk about that after the break. But there are so many different reasons. So when we talk about, let's just talk about anxiety first. Anxiety in general, you know, bedtime is, it's dark, it's night, that tends to scare people, even people without anxiety and OCD. It's the unknown, it's a little spooky, Um, it can be uh, creepy if I've watched things that are scary or I've seen things that are scary or my imagination is scary, it doesn't even have to be something that I actually saw. It can come alive at night because it's dark. There is a narrative that kids tell themselves that say like people break in more often at night which I think statistically is actually very inaccurate. It's normally during the day, <laughs> you know, but that we we see like the archetype of the robber coming in at night, you know, with a little bag and his like black and white little outfit on and 
And that's, I think kids can see that, or they think they see monsters. These are typical common fears. Um, Shadows become creepy. You know, closets become portals to bad people or bad monsters or under the bed becomes another portal, (laughs) you know, up. So there's that. I don't have to go into that. That's obvious, right? There is separation. And so if part of the dynamic in my house is that you keep me safe, even if I don't have separation anxiety, separation anxiety and sleep are like hand in hand, like peanut butter and jelly. I very rarely have ever met a family that I've treated that had separation anxiety and didn't have sleep issues. They're hand in hand, unless they have like a family bed and they're like, we don't have sleep issues because we have a family bed. Sometimes even when you're philosophically approaching things as like, you know, family bed and things like that, which is neither here nor there. Like everybody's allowed to do whatever they feel philosophically aligned to. But I've seen kids who have anxiety around sleep, like that doesn't even fix it. They'll have to like hold the hand of the parent when they're sleeping or they have to physically touch them. And so sometimes when we're dealing with anxiety and OCD, it's never enough. And that is uh, an issue as well. And so separation anxiety is a big one. If I feel like you keep me safe or you're a key component in helping me regulate or helping me panic, then when I go to sleep and you're not there, that's really scary for me because the person who is going to fix me is not available and they're going to go to sleep and that's even scarier. So there's that component. There is death. When we go to sleep, it's a mini death every night. I know that sounds really morbid, but it is. We go to sleep, we go unconscious, and we are we have no control, no control of what is happening in our environment. We're not aware of what's happening in our environment. And that's very scary for people who want fear, death, and dying. What if I don't wake up? What if my parents don't wake up? What if something bad happens while I'm sleeping? And then you have just the fear of the lack of control. So there's that. The other issues that you have are you know, that are OCD related or that just even anxiety that are outside of the environment, it's a quiet stage. It's a quiet stage for anxiety or OCD. Nothing is distracting it. And so the mind that's busy during the day or, or kids, especially who need to keep busy to keep out those thoughts really struggle at night because it's the time where the stage gets quiet and a spotlight just goes right to your thoughts. And if they're anxiety or OCD thoughts, that's very overwhelming. So you have kids who are worried about the next day. They're worried they're never going to be able to sleep. Maybe they want things perfect when they go to sleep. So they need to go to the bathroom over and over. We just talked about that. Or they need their stuffed animals lined up in a certain way or their blankets in a, in a certain way. And then become hypervigilant. Did my, you know, the line of my stuffed animals get out of, out of place? Or is there a wrinkle on my bed? Or everything has to be very particular. And so that can cause issues. And then if you have intrusive thoughts, that could be anything, right? You can have an intrusive image or an intrusive thought or intrusive song. You can worry that, did you unplug all your stuff or did you check social media? I mean, it literally can be anything. What did I eat today? Did I eat something bad? Do I feel nauseous? Anything. It depends on their theme. But we want to start with understanding the core issue or issues that are driving. That's the first step. And when we get back from the break, I'm going to talk about how do we help our kids navigate that and how do we get started to have a better night's sleep for everybody. All right, we'll be right back. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know 
what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, so we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Welcome back. All right, so let's talk about, one, if you find the core fear or core fears, that's your first step, is play detective. Ask your kids, what's the hardest part about going to sleep? What's the scariest part about going to sleep? It may not be about scary. It might just be about hard. So find the core fear or fears, and they can be multiple ones. The anxious brain can have multiple issues. I know with my son, it was fear of bad guys, which was an anxiety thing. But then also he had like songs that would get stuck in his head, which is one of his OCD issues. So it could be both things at the same time. And then the key is to address the issue underneath it. And so a lot of times parents just move to surface issues. They're like, We'll get a nightlight or I'll, I'll make their room really fun and beautiful. We'll like we'll redecorate it and then they'll want to go sleep in it or I'll incentivize them that they can earn blah, blah, blah. If they sleep in their own bed, it's a bandaid because you're not addressing what's driving the inability to sleep. And so you want to figure out what is that inability to sleep because your approach, depending on what that is, will look vastly different. And so If my child is afraid of something and they have anxiety, they're having intrusive, not intrusive thoughts, but anxious thoughts about bad guys, then I'm going to approach that in the way that I approach all anxiety themes. We're going to reframe their thinking. We're going to talk about red thoughts and green thoughts. And all of that is, I teach that in my anxiety, how to crush anxiety course. And it's how I approach anxiety by, you know, readdressing 
those thoughts, those cognitive distortions and reframing thinking. Those are things I do not do with OCD. Uh, And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that during the day with my kids. If it's OCD, I want to know that too. And we're going to work on some OCD themes during the day. And if I'm having harm OCD and I'm worried, you know, did I unplug all my, my phone and my iPad? So I don't want to start a fire in my house. Well, that can be impacting my sleep, but it actually is an OCD issue. So if your kids are ruminating or having intrusive thoughts or doing a lot of compulsions at night, it's not a sleep issue. It's impacting sleep, but it is an OCD issue. And so I always tell parents, if we can, if the issue is more universal, we want to start working on those issues during the day. And so if my child is having anxious thoughts about their safety, I'm going to work on those anxious thoughts during the day. If my child's having OCD issues around their theme, I'm going to start doing exposures during the day. If you don't know what exposures are, your child has OCD, or you don't know what ERP is, that that's where you're going to start. And I do have a whole course on that too, on um, how to help your kids with OCD. Those are all my courses, but, or you get an OCD therapist, but you want to start with those things. That's really important. If you're dealing with separation anxiety, I always tell parents, if your child can't separate during the day, then you got to work on that first before you tackle sleep because they're not going to be able to separate at sleep, which is the hardest aspect of separation anxiety if they can't even separate with you during the day. So we start with the small stuff and we build up. Um, If your child is sleeping with you, they're not going to all of a sudden go and sleep in their room. You have to do very small steps and you have to address the cognitive distortions or the stories they're telling themselves about separating from you. You have to work on that and then you have to do it in baby steps. And we're not going to go into that today. Um, I do have an entire course on how to help kids who struggle to sleep. It is very in-depth and there's no way in a simple podcast I can walk you through all the steps and how to help kids to sleep. But it's important to realize that it's not done overnight. It's done in small baby steps. And if you skip a step and you're moving into incentivizing them to sleep on their own or incentivizing them to have a better night's sleep, and you are pulling back your accommodations, which could be them sleeping with you, or you sleeping on the floor, or you're sleeping in their other bed if they have one, or you're sleeping in their bed, or they're sleeping on the couch, whatever dysfunction is going on. And it's only dysfunction if that's not how you want it to be. And I think even if you have a philosophical approach of family bed or co-sleeping or whatever it is, if the child is like paralyzed with fear at night, it's still something you want to work on because they're going to go to college perhaps, or they're going to have a roommate and they're going to eventually have to sleep on their own. And that stuff does not go away if it's not worked on, if it's a clinical issue. And so it is really good to work on those things so that they are able to function when they leave the nest and they are sleeping on their own. The sleep hygiene, how we develop sleep hygiene from a little person really becomes a pattern into adulthood. And so it is something to definitely work on. So when you've addressed the core fear or core discomfort, and I'm not going to go into that because that's everything I always talk about, right? I mean, I'm always talking about how do you crush anxiety or how do you crush OCD? We have a million podcasts on that. I have courses on that. And so you have to do that part. It's just another highlight that you need to be doing that work during the day. Now, while you're doing that, or when you do that, then creating that safe environment in the room is really important. And so that's when you start to add those things that are a band-aid because they're not a band-aid when they are the cherry on top. 
and you've already dealt with the Sunday. I know, a million analogies. She's like, throwing a Sunday in here now? I thought we were talking about gunshots. Just go with me. (laughs) It's okay to do those things. You just don't want to miss a step. You have to reframe the thinking. Or if it's OCD, you have to work on the exposures outside of sleep. Those are really important. And even if you say, well, Natasha only shows up at sleep, there's probably a theme there if it's OCD that you can still work on during the day. And that's important. So once that is done, then you want to create an environment where kids can fall asleep. And it will work more effectively if you've already done the main work of addressing the core anxiety or OCD theme that you're dealing with. And so at that point, yes, you want to partner with your child. You're partnering with your child this whole time, but you want to say, what things will help you in your room? If they're already in their room, if they're not already in the room, you're not going to just flop them in their room because you're going to fail. They're going to fail. They're going to feel like a failure. And we want our kids to feel success. And that's why we do things one small step at a time so that there's this feeling of empowerment and hopefulness for everybody, you and your child. And that's really important. So in my kids' rooms, I'll tell you a little bit about what we do. There was a point where I was sitting right outside of their bedroom. So my kids' bedrooms are upstairs and we have like a loft area and my bedroom's downstairs. And there was a time for a long period of time where I was having to sit upstairs until they fell asleep. And then we worked on their issues. I worked on, you know, my daughter having to pee and repee. We talked about, you know, she did exposures on holding her pee for a certain period of time. And when I say holding her pee, I mean, we're talking about like 20 minutes then 30 minutes, then 40 minutes, then an hour, not like five hours, you know, recognizing it's OCD. We did all that work. And for my son, um, we did a lot of reframing of a bad guy. We went actually went outside of their house and we went to the wall where his window is and we showed him how even a ladder wouldn't really reach it because we have such high vaulted ceilings. And he had, this was a long, long time ago, but he had this like cartoonish belief that, you know, a bad guy could take plungers, you know, like toilet plungers and plunge their way up to his, his room. And we got a plunger out and we showed him, can this stick? It doesn't make any sense. And we did that because it was anxiety and not OCD because anxiety, you can kind of rationalize and reframe those cognitive distortions for OCD. A lot of times they already know that it doesn't make sense, but OCD doesn't care about facts or rational problem solving. It's just an, an intrusive thought. It won't go away. And so that is a big difference. And so with that, we addressed, you know, his safety. And then we worked on his OCD where he would have a song stuck in his head. And so during the day, if he had a song stuck in his head, we would play it over and over again, or we'd have him hum it, or I would hum it. Like we did exposures so that he learned how to tolerate things that were in his head. Or if he had an image that was stuck in his head, not just intrusive thought, but sometimes he'd get an image stuck in his head. We would, he would draw it out and we'd make it silly or we would, you know, put like little Google eyes on it or we do something so that when it popped up in his head at night, he's like, oh, that's such a ridiculous, silly picture in my head. Not a big deal. So we addressed it, but both my kids were also worried about safety. And so I would sit in the loft and then they would shout out for me and we worked systematically on it where initially I would say we are all safe in this house because when you say I'm right here, you are actually reconfirming that your presence is needed in order for them to be safe. None of us mean to do that. It's a normal thing to say, I'm right here. Don't worry about it. I'm right here. But that is actually, it's feeding into that fear of I need you in order to be safe. And so I would say to my kids, we are all safe in this house. What do you need to tell yourself? And they'd say, we're all safe in this house. Yes. 
And then we had already talked about the green thoughts around that. You know, the doors are locked, the windows are locked, we have an alarm. These are things that are not related to me. You know, that just is a fact. It's an objective fact that they don't need me. And then we progressed from there where then I, if they called out, they knew I wouldn't answer. Um, And we incentivized them not coming out of their room. And then eventually I was downstairs and now they go to bed and I just give them a kiss. I tuck them in and we're done. It's very quick. It was a progression though to get there. Now, separate from that, because they're just anxious kids and they have anxiety or OCD, they will have difficult time sleeping for different reasons. And so I do give my kids melatonin, a really tiny dose. They get 0.5 milligrams, which is, I think the, and I don't know, talk to your doctor about melatonin, but I'm pretty sure on the bottle, it's like two milligrams is like a typical dose of melatonin. So they're getting 0.5. At this point, I almost feel like it's just a little jump start. And maybe a little placebo, possibly. And that's okay because that is something that has been helpful. My son, really, if he doesn't have even that small, small melatonin, his brain is just like very physiological with him. And so we do that. And they both also have different variations of, of noise that helps them as well. And so noise can help for lots of things. It can help refocus the brain. It can help calm the brain. So we use brainwaves. I actually use an app that I talk about quite a lot called brainwaves. But if you Google, like no matter where you are, whether it's iTunes or an Android, you can just type in brainwaves and there will be an app that pops up. And so for my son, we use the app brainwaves and it's music, but then there are, there are waves underneath. And I normally set it to like sleep waves, like Delta waves so that his brain is hearing delta waves under the music and it helps him go to sleep. And he, he loves that. He puts it on himself. If you have a problem with your child, always like playing on an iPad or something, you can always lock an iPad, Google how to do that. You can lock it on that app. And I did do that for quite a while with him where he just couldn't control himself. He's like, I can't go to sleep and my iPad's right here. Maybe I'll just go play on a game or something. And so I locked it. And so it gets locked on the app that's open and he wasn't able to get into anything else. And that really helped. Also, my daughter, she doesn't like brainwaves. I don't see that. She listens to that. She likes to listen to like sleep stories. And so when she was very little, we got Lori Light, L-I-T-E, and she does like sleep meditations and sleep stories. They're very young, but because that's a habit, my daughter's used to her soothing voice. And so she turns on Lori light most of the time. And so they both like noise and that does a couple of things. One, they're not hearing all the bumps that go loud. What's the expression? Bump in the night. They're not hearing all those creaks and sounds, you know, like your brain becomes hyper-focused at night and you hear these things when you have anxiety or OCD. And so they're not having that awareness. Also, it's something to hook your brain on. So you can really focus on the music or for, for my daughter, she focuses on the story and it's just something to hook her brain into. And then her brain can go in a million different directions and she can come back to that. And that can be really helpful. And they both like light. Uh, And I like light, to be honest, I don't like a pitch black room. And so my son has Christmas lights that he has year round in his room that are just like very small light. And my daughter has kind of like a light on the wall. That's like a nightlight type of thing. And it lights up and it's a very small light and that helps her too. And so that helps their environment. And there's so many other things like weighted blankets that can help too. But when you try these things without getting to the core fear or core issue, 
without working with your child to reframe their thinking, to improve their, their sleep hygiene, none of this stuff works. And I think that that's kind of the, the biggest issue is that people tend to go to these crutches because they're known, they're like the things that we do when kids have a hard time sleeping and they're missing the, the fuel line underneath that is fueling this fire that's preventing them from, to sleep. So this is just a jumpstart in getting you to think about sleep and getting you to think about the relationship with sleep. And I do go into a much deeper dive in my course, how to help kids who struggle to sleep. You can find that at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. In the course, I go much more in depth into what we're talking about. I talk about how to discover your child's core fear and to discover their triggers. I then move into developing the skills, like reframing their thinking if it's anxiety, resetting their body with breathing, but I don't feel like breathing is the silver bullet, but it can calm the nervous system down. So I talk about that. I talk about poking back at fears, changing the channel, and then I talk about setting up challenges. And so then at the part three, I walk through how to you know, set up steps for crushing bedtime fears and how to set up a reinforcement plan and then how to set up exposures or challenges to facilitate using all those skills and the things that you put into practice. And so it really walks you through all of that. One thing that I do like about this course is that I also make videos for your kids to watch directly. I don't do that in a lot of my classes. I have, I do that in my difficult behavior class, difficult behavior caused by anxiety or OCD. And I do it in my sleep class where it is a joint course for parents and for your kids. So you get like some extra bang for your buck. Uh, Most of my classes, like my how to teach kids to crush anxiety, how to teach kids to crush OCD. Those are like parent classes. Those are for you. I might have like a link to a YouTube video that I'll say, hey, show your child this, but it's purely to give you the skills. But this one and my difficult behavior class are cool, I think, because I teach you, but then I'm like, and let me teach your child directly. And so there's lessons for you. And under your lesson, there's a lesson for your child. And so you guys can take this together and really learn how to proactively develop a plan for sleep, find out what's driving underneath, and then systematically create challenges. And I have worksheets and all sorts of stuff on here that would help you create that with your child in a way that's going to be effective. Because when we do it without our child's involvement, it tends to not work because they don't like you taking away any of their crutches for sleep and they're desperate for sleep. And a a lot of kids don't want to sleep with their parents. That's embarrassing for them as they get older, but they just don't know how to get past that. And so involving them as a partner in working on this is incredibly key. So I will leave a link if you are interested in a deeper dive and taking a course on that, on how to help kids who struggle to sleep. You can check that out. If you're like, wait, I have to go and check out how to deal with my child's OCD, because I realized that it's OCD that's actually driving the sleep issue, you can check out my OCD course as well. I do have one directly for kids and teens on how to crush OCD. If you want to give your kids the tools directly as well, you can check out all these things at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. So I hope you found that helpful today. I do have a lot of resources on sleep and I'll link them all in the show notes. And I hope that you found this helpful. If you are enjoying the show, don't forget to hit a star on Google Play or wherever you consume your podcast to rate the show. That really does help a lot. And if you have a few extra moments, if you can leave a review, you know, I appreciate that. Parents appreciate that. And I always like to read one if there is a new one to show my gratitude. And so I want to thank Olympia who wrote, um, thank you as someone who is now an adult with OCD, metaphobia, and anxiety. I wish this information could have been available 
for my parents when I was growing up. I'm so glad it's being talked about uh, more now. I'd love to hear an episode on OCD and parkopresis, which is, um, you know, the inability to poop in public, which tends to be tied to like a phobia or social anxiety. And I haven't done that because I feel like that's for most people, it's a social anxiety thing. I definitely struggle with that, but yeah, good topic. I appreciate asking for me to talk about that. If you have topic suggestions, I know if you're part of the AT parenting community, definitely post that in our member only Facebook group, because I, I get topic ideas from them. It's part of the benefit of being a member of the AT Parenting community, which is separate. So I have my online school, atparentingsurvivalschool.com, and I have my membership community, atparentingcommunity.com. And they tend to be the have so many different topic ideas that I tend to get topic ideas mainly from them. But I appreciate you letting me know about something that you'd want me to talk about. That'll be a tricky one <laughs> because I haven't really overcome that myself. I always like to talk about things that I've like overcome with my kids or... And that one's a struggle, I think, with social anxiety. But I hope that you guys are enjoying the show. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Or if you're in the series, maybe I'll be talking to you at the end of this week. Um, don't forget about my self-care series at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.